on this Memorial Day weekend, it's a time when we do reflect on the men and women who have ultimately sacrificed their very lives so that you and I could have the privilege of living in a free country. There are those today that do not live in a free in free countries or in a free society. But we thank God for the fact that we do live in a free country and a free society. We are a blessed people. We live in the greatest nation upon the face of the earth. In fact, <clears throat> I believe we live in the greatest nation that's ever crossed the spectrum of history, to be quite honest with you. We enjoy today the most powerful military. We have an economy that's absolutely the strongest in the world. Our standard of living is far higher than probably any other country in the world. And we are a blessed people. But as Brother Tyler has said, <clears throat> it has come at a great price. Freedom is never free. There's constant, uh, co constant surveillance of our, of our laws and our circumstances to make sure that we remain free. Freedom is so easy to give up after 9-11. I'll be honest with you, I was very concerned about America in regards to the fact that we are so willing to give up some of our freedoms for safety. We don't want to give up freedom for safety. We can remain safe without giving up our freedoms. How is that? One of our greatest leaders said it this way, there is a rank due to the United States among, among nations which will be withheld, if not absolutely lost by the reputation of weakness. If we desire to avoid insult, we must be able to repel it. If we desire to secure peace, one of the most powerful instruments of our rising prosperity, it must be known that we are at all times ready for war. Who said that? The father of our country, George Washington. Ronald Reagan said it in a different way. He said, peace through strength. Peace through strength. When I saw that brief video this morning, <clears throat> the, first, the picture that came up was the six men who raised the flag on Mount Suribachi on the island of Iwo Jima. 7,000 Marines lost their lives in the battle for the island of Iwo Jima. <clears throat> Many men and women died sacrificially so that you and I could enjoy what we enjoy. Let me tell you a brief history of the men that you saw on that mountain raising the American flag. The man putting the flag into the ground. His name was Harlan Block. Harlan was an all-state football player on his high school team. He and all the seniors on that high school team enlisted in the Army after their senior year. Harlan was 21 years of age when he was on that mountain. I don't want to be gross or unthoughtful this morning, Harlan died on that mountain, holding his intestines in his hands. Another man on that mountaintop was a, name, a man by the name of Rene Gagnon from New Hampshire. 
If you could have the opportunity to take Renee's helmet off, inside the webbing of that helmet was a picture. It was a picture of his girlfriend. He had that in there because the truth of the matter is, Renee was scared. <clears throat> and the reason being is that Renee was only 18 years of age. Let me share something with you, and especially the young people here today. The men in that picture that fought on that mountain and on Iwo Jima were basically young men, 17, 18, and 19 years of age. That's all they were. Renee kept that picture in there for protection. Renee was 18 years old when he gave his life for the cause of freedom. Another man on there was their sergeant, Mark, Sergeant Mike Strank. They called him the old man because he was 25. <clears throat> when he was training his boys to fight in this war, he did not tell them, go out and kill the enemy. He didn't tell them that you're fighting for freedom because he knew that many of these young men literally were terrified of what they were about ready to enter into. And any man with common sense would have been terrified, and I don't care what his age would be. But what this sergeant did tell him is this. He said this, if you will listen to me, and follow me and do what I tell you, I'll get you home to your mothers. Another man on there was Ira Hayes. Ira Hayes was a Pima Indian from Arizona. He walked off Iwo Jima. He went to the White House and President Truman declared him a hero after his interview with President Truman, the reporters were all around him. And he said, the president said, I'm a hero. I don't feel like a hero because of my unit, 250 men that landed on the island of Iwo Jima. Only 27 of us came out, 90% of his unit was killed. I wish I could tell you a good ending for Ira, but I can't tell you that. Ten years after that picture was taken, Ira, at 32 years of age, died as a drunk with his face down. The next fellow was Franklin Sousley from Hilltop, Kentucky. Now all you hillbillies, Dave, will appreciate this. <laughs> because that's exactly what, uh, what, uh, uh, what Franklin was. He was a hillbilly. He was a good guy, enjoyed a good joke. Good jokes, not bad jokes, okay? He was 19 years of age when he surrendered his life on Mount Sarabachi. The telegram came to the general store the Hilltop General Store to be delivered to his mother. The neighbors reported, and they lived a quarter of a mile away. They could hear his mother crying and weeping all night long. Then there was a man by the name of John Bradley who walked off of the mountain. 
and he ended up being a successful husband and father and this sort of thing. And he lived until 1994. And Walter Cronkite and other newsmen would call him to give interviews. The children were so trained that they said, our daddy is not here. He is in Canada. He's fishing. No, there are no phones where he's at. And all the time, daddy was sitting in his easy chair. He could not think about those days and about the buddies that he lost without great difficulty. You see, he taught his boys there are no heroes who walked off of Iwo Jima. All the heroes of Iwo Jima stayed behind. You see, when we think of the greatness of our nation, we have a great history. And I believe that America can be great again, but not because of politicians and not because of a certain party and not because of prosperity. And I'm honestly, I'm for America becoming great, prosperous and the whole thing like that. But if we are going to become a great nation in God's eyes, then it must be determined by God how it's going to be accomplished. You see, man's eyes might say that, uh, oh, we're, we're a great nation. We've got the strongest army, we've got the strongest navy, we've got a prosperous economy, unemployment is down, and all of those things are good. All of those things are good. I'm not arguing that point. What I'm saying is that the greatness of America is not as important in man's eyes as it is in God's eyes. So how do we become a great nation in God's eyes? Let me give you a few principles. Number one, to be a great nation in God's eyes, we need the following ingredients. Number one, righteousness. We need righteousness. Look at Isaiah chapter 26 with me if you would. Notice what God has to say about a great nation. Notice what he says about a great nation. Isaiah 26. Now look at verse number 2. Open ye the gates, that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter. The righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter. Look at Proverbs 14 with me, if you would, please. Look at Proverbs 14 and verse number 34. <clears throat> Proverbs 14, verse 34. We're looking at making America great again. How is that done? By righteousness, number one. Proverbs 14, 34. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 14, please. Deuteronomy chapter 14. And look at verse number two. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a, a peculiar people unto himself above all nations that are upon the earth. Righteousness. 
If we're going to become a great nation once again, we need to be a righteous nation. What does it mean to be a righteous nation? What it means is being righteous and doing righteous. Being righteous and doing righteous, which means to be doing right, not doing wrong, but doing right. Alexander Blackburn said it this way in July 18, or excuse me, 1981, excuse me. <clears throat> what makes a great nation? Not serried ranks with flags unfurled, not armored ships that gird the world, not hoarded wealth nor busy mills, not cattle on a thousand hills, not sages wise nor schools nor laws, not boasted deeds in freedom's cause. All these may be, and yet the state in the eye of God be far from great. The land is great which knows the Lord, whose songs are guided by his word, where justice rules betwixt man and man, where love controls in art and plan, where breathing in his native air, each soul finds joy in praise and prayer. Thus may our country, good and great, be God's delight, man's best estate. The first ingredient of making America great is righteousness, that is, right living. Number two, the second ingredient of making America great is faith in God. Faith in God. Turn over to Psalm chapter 33, please. Psalm chapter 33. And look at verse number 12. Psalm 33 and verse number 12 once again. Blessed or happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed or happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. Now I'm not going to have you turn there in Zechariah chapter 8 and verse 22 because my time is running out. <clears throat> oh, you'll get that later on. All right, about the, t about the time you put the gravy on the mashed potatoes, folks, okay? Now look, when I drop these pearls, you need to be there with your little bucket and pick them up. All right? Zechariah 8.22. It says this, Yea, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Yea, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34, it says this, Peter speaking. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. Every nation who feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. If we're going to have a great America once again, not only does it need to be a righteous nation, but it needs to be a nation that has faith in God. Now, for the benefit of those in public schools that are here or who have gone through the public school system, as I did, I graduated in 1962. Now, that's 1962, not 1862. Okay, I think some of you think I graduated in 1862, all right? 
My wife did, but I did not. All right, okay, all right. <laughs> well, there goes dinner today, all right. <laughs> and I did that all for a laugh, all right, okay. For those that are in public schools or have graduated, you have been taught by and large, not by every teacher, I'm sure, but by and large, that this nation, the people came to this nation for one reason, economic prosperity. May I remind you of what was here when the first people arrived? Nothing but woods, wild animals, people that could be friendly or unfriendly, but there wasn't a whole lot here, folks, not to leave England and Denmark and other places to come here where you had a, a civilization and society and the comforts of quote-unquote modern-day living back then. But when you came here, many of the people died in the first winter that they were here. They did not come here for economic prosperity. That is a lie out of the pit of hell. They came here for one reason and one reason only, and that was religious freedom. That's why people came to this country. In the log of Christopher Columbus, Wednesday, October the 10th, 1492, two days before his historic discovery reveals, this is a quote, he was going to continue until he reached his goal with God's help. The first charter of Virginia, dated April the 10th, 1606. One of the purposes for English colonization in America was for, now hear me on this, the propagation of the Christian religion. Don't tell me that this was not founded as a Christian nation. That's a lie out of the pit of hell. This country was founded for the propagation, the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what they weren't concerned about? Multiculturalism. Okay, you'll get that. The Mayflower Compact of 1620 states that the settlement of Plymouth, Massachusetts was for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. The Mayflower Compact. They weren't, satisfied, they weren't concerned about satisfying the Muslims or anyone else. They wanted to get away from England and other places so that they could have religious freedom to preach the gospel. Did they find it? In some places. But guess where they didn't find it? Guess where it wasn't established? Massachusetts. Wow, that's a big one. Okay, that's a shocker. You know, Massachusetts has always been against that. Well, I shouldn't say that, but many times against that which is right. And Virginia. Preachers such as myself, independent fundamental Baptist preachers were jailed, whipped, their, their property was confiscated because they were not part of the Church of England or modern-day Episcopal Church because the Church of England had control of Massachusetts as well as Virginia. How about this one? In Philadelphia, while the First Continental Congress met in Carpenter's Hall in 1774. Listen at this. The chaplain at that Congress got down on his knees and all the members of Congress got on their knees 
and ask the help of Almighty God. Could you imagine the outrage today in the halls of Congress if the chaplain in Congress, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm so sick of those generic prayers and all that kind of stuff, it's a bunch of nonsense. I, honestly, to be honest with you, I think they'd be better off if they just cut them out because they're pious platitudes of nothingness. Okay. Could you imagine the chaplain in Congress today getting down on his hands and knees and members of Congress getting down on their knees before Almighty God and imploring him to guide and direct in the decisions on how to lead this country. Could you imagine that? I want to tell you something right now. God, if that would happen in this country, would not withhold his blessings on this country. I'll guarantee you that. Before the Battle of Bunker Hill, the, armor, the army gathered for prayer led by Chaplain Langdon. Chaplain Langdon was the president, hold on to your horses on this one, of Harvard University. Those days have been long gone from Harvard University. At the end of the Declaration of Independence is written, for support of this declaration, we look with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. This nation, America, was founded for the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and not for the promotion of false religions. Now, I believe in freedom of speech so they can do and say what they want to. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, if you're going to teach in the public school, teach the truth. Teach the truth. This was founded as a Christian nation. Don't try to deny it. Number three, not only will God make us a great nation again if we live righteously and we have faith in him, but if we appreciate the blessings of God. Turn to Deuteronomy with me, if you would. Look at Deuteronomy. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, Deuteronomy. <laughs> Chapter 28. <laughs> well, you got that one. All right. You're a little slow today. I don't know why. I'm just here having a good time. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. Conditions of blessings for the children of Israel. And I believe they could be blessings on us as well. Now I'm going to read a rather lengthy portion of scripture beginning in verse number one. But just concentrate on the words. Deuteronomy 28 beginning at verse number one. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Now, can I ask you something? Has there ever been a nation lifted any higher than the United States of America in the history of mankind? We have been blessed. And all these blessings shall come on thee, and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of the cattle, and increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. 
Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies to rise up against thee, uh, excuse me, rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. And the Lord shall command the blessings upon thee in thy storehouses and in all thou that settest thine hand, hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself as he hath sworn unto thee. If thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways, and all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods and in fruits of thy body, and in the fruit of the cattle and the fruit of thy ground in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in the seasons, and to bless all the work of thy hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above, uh, shalt be above only. And thou shalt not be beneath, if that, if that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I and thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to the right hand or to the left and to go after other gods to serve them. Now, if you'll read the rest of that chapter, you'll see where God says, now, if you don't do this and you do this other, then the judgment of God's going to come on you. <clears throat> we need to be a nation that is appreciative of God's blessings. You see, I think we've, we have tried to solve the problems that we face as a nation through human reasoning. There's two types of reasoning. There's man's reasoning and wisdom, and there's God's reason and wisdom. And we try to solve all of our problems as a nation by man's wisdom. We need to solve our problems by God's wisdom, employing the Word of God. I'm not saying that we make everyone independent Bible-believing Baptists. What I am saying is that God's Word is very distinct on certain principles that cannot be violated, and we as a nation ought to follow those principles. We've lost sight of the blessings of God and tried to solve many of our money problems by human reasoning. Abraham Lincoln said this, and he left us some guidelines for a democracy and for a nation that, uh, of free people. Listen to me. Abraham Lincoln, you cannot bring about prosperity by discouraging thrift. You cannot help small men by tearing down big men. You cannot strengthen the weak by weakening the strong. You cannot lift the wage earner by pulling down the wage payer. You cannot help the poor man by destroying the rich man. You cannot keep out of trouble by spending more than your income. Let me stop there for just a minute. That goes for individual households as well as a nation. The words amen. Amen. Thank you. You cannot keep out of trouble by spending more than your income. You cannot further brotherhood of man by inciting class hatred. You cannot establish security on borrowed money. You cannot build character and courage by taking away a man's initiative and in independence. 
You cannot help men permanently by doing for them what they could and should do for themselves. Principles of this country being great again. The ingredient of righteousness, the ingredient of faith in God, the ingredient of appreciating God's blessings. Here's another one. The ingredient of humility. The ingredient of humility. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 29 with me, if you would, please. Proverbs 29. Look at Proverbs 29 at verse number 23. Notice what it says. A man's pride shall bring him low. Proverbs 29, 23. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. That goes not only for an individual, it goes for a nation. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 24, please. Look at Isaiah chapter 24. We need the ingredient of humility. Look at Isaiah 24, verse number 4. The earth mourneth and fadeth away. The world languisheth and fadeth away. The haughty people of the earth do languish. The haughty people of the earth do languish. You know, I'm going to tell you something right now. You hear me and hear me well on this. Whenever God desires to get America's attention, he'll get it. He'll get it. Abraham Lincoln said this. You might say, why are you quoting Abraham Lincoln? Because I think he was one of the greatest presidents we ever had in, our, in the history of this country. That's why. And he might have been from Kentucky or Illinois, depending on which part of his life you're talking about. I say that for you know whose sake he's sitting right down here. I love you, buddy. All right. He said this, we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and enriched us and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined that all things were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to God who made us. A lot of wisdom in that. Number five, and this is it. America can become a great nation once again, not only by becoming a righteous nation, not only by displaying faith in God, not only by appreciating God's blessings, not only by displaying humility, but by honoring the Lord, honoring the Lord. Look with me, if you would, to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. This ought to be the attitude of every person, Christian or non-Christian. It ought to be the attitude, Christian or non-Christian. Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. America has had a great past. 
not a perfect past, not a nation without sin, but we have had a great past. And I believe that because this nation was established for religious freedom, and since its founding, the preaching of the gospel has gone on, and it's a leading nation in missions and going out and sharing the gospel worldwide, God has blessed us. But I also believe that we could have far more of his blessings if we would surrender ourselves to him. We need to have a righteous nation, a nation that has faith in God, a nation that appreciates God's blessings, a nation that is a humble nation, and a nation that honors God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits.